everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Sunday morning to you all as we kick off a brand new week in WWE. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner, and the guy that made me think NXT Deadline was a four-hour show at some point during the night. I bring to you, as always... Is it perky Scott Young in these early hours of Sunday morning or I'm dealing with salty Scott Young because it's the early hours of Sunday morning? I think I'll, uh, I'll call it irritable Scott Young. Um, <laughs> only because I'm upset at myself. Finish the, the Iron Survivor Challenge of the Day match. Only to find out that I had forgotten completely about the actual main event of Brown Shaker and Apollo Crews. But Keela decided that it's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you. I'm happy to be back. Um, Jeremy did a great job in my steed, but I'm back. I'm back on the horse. I'm back in the saddle. And uh, I heard those shots he took. Ain't nobody scared. <laughs> I, I was scared because Miz lost the bag. Miz got plenty of bags. Are you worried about Miz's bag? But uh, no, I appreciate Jeremy for stepping in last week. Uh, Ray Mysterio booyaked me. But I'm back, baby, at least via the telephone. Because he still got my internet knocked out. Boo the internet. Boo your Wi-Fi or lack thereof for another week. But you'll be back to your normal self very soon. And begrudgingly, I did miss you last week. I did miss our banter and our conversation. But Jeremy was a great fill-in last week at the very last minute. And, you know, you say The Miz isn't broke. But last I checked on Monday Night Raw, he was wearing a fake Rolex. So I think he is broke-ass Miz at this point. He's smart, Miz, is what he is. You don't wear your real Rolex to a place where you know you're going to get in a fight. You know what I mean? This was, he's just thinking ahead. So the real Rolex was in the car. So after he finished that, he put his real one on. I was like, see, this is what I'm talking about. But, you know, I digress. We'll see if your theory holds up on Monday, if he continues to pose as a fake broke person. But I think he's broke, and Maurice is going to divorce him and take the My kids. <laughs> <laughs> that took a really dark turn right there. Are we trying to turn this baby face again? Well, listen, apparently they're copying the broke ass Corbin plan from last year. Oh, well, listen, if, if they can get Baron Corbin over as a baby face, they can get anybody over as a baby face. They tried and failed. So maybe The Miz is the one to get the job done. We'll see in due time as we must briefly talk about our favorite subject outside of WWE, which is the NBA, and the Western Conference standings. And as always, we check in on the Golden State Warriors and the LA Lakers. And the Warriors are 14-13 and 13 after winning against the Boston Celtics in primetime last night on ABC. And Scott's Lakers took an L to the 76ers on Friday night. And now they're down to 10-15, and 15, down to 13th. And their average in terms of their winning percentage is now down to 400. So I'm sorry, Scott, about the rough week you've had for the Lakers. You know, I'm actually okay with where we are right now, especially considering the start we had. I think we've kind of figured out a nice rhythm. Um, you know, I think we're settling into a good kind of routine. Um, you know, we're still not a contender yet, but I like the path that we're going. And uh, just real quick, I need to know why we keep playing Kendrick Nunn and what contributions 
Darvin Ham feels like he's making <laughs> to the game because every time I see him out on the floor, he's just a guy. Like Austin Reeves is out there dropping 25 points, but I keep getting, seeing him getting subbed out for Kendrick Nunn. I'm like, why? <laughs> what is he bringing to the table with Thomas Bryant? Why isn't he playing more? Like, why can't we play him in AD some more against the four and five and like we have a hard time rebounding as it is. I'm like, yeah, I'm just saying, but I'm, I am happy with where we are. I just have some small questions. I still hate the Warriors. God, I hate you guys. And the Celtics, I hate them proxy because they can't beat you guys. I am so glad that you hate them because they can't beat us. And um, that makes me happy this early Sunday morning. Your saltiness is awakening me in many ways. And I thank you for that. And um, go Warriors. That's never going to (laughs) change. And uh, go Warriors. (laughs) I can't resist. I know you hate them. And I have a whole lot of indifference towards the Lakers. I don't hate them. I just don't care. There seems to be a lot of the feelings where the Lakers are like, yeah, they're not going to win. We don't care. Nobody cares. (laughs) Nobody cares what they do. No. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. At least AD is pulling his weight for a change. Hey, let me tell you something. If this man would have played like this last year, like, you know, LeBron doesn't have to average 30. We could be going to the playoffs. Like, I think we'll get to the playoffs at least this year, especially if he continues to play that way. So him being the number one, demanding the ball, being dominant, averaging about 15 rebounds, like that's the biggest thing for me. He's getting in there. He's dominating the paint again. This is this is the AD that LeBron came to play with. So this is the AD that can spell LeBron a couple years of his career. About damn time. As long Absolutely. as you stay out of street clothes, that's all that matters. Stay out of your street clothes, stay healthy. And I have faith in AD to actually be the guy in L.A. But enough NBA talk for this week. Let's put a cap in that as we briefly talk about the week that was in WWE. And I want to single out one solo Sokoa from the bloodline who I am scared of. The more I see him on TV, he's extremely stoic. He does not crack a smile. He is a very grumpy and all black, not rocking rare with the bloodline. And this past Monday on Raw, he absolutely destroyed Matt Riddle. With the Samoan spike, two hip attacks, one with a chair wrapped around Riddle's neck, and he sent him to the local medical facility, the hospital, and he is out of action, Matt Riddle that is, for the next six weeks. So I guess our talking about him recently, about him being annoying as a character and kind of plateauing on Monday Night Raw is going to lead to a reboot heading into the new year. Yeah, and uh, he's definitely somebody who could use it. And we've seen what Riddle can do when he can kind of tap into that serious side. Um, you know, specifically that Seth Rollins feud was really well done in establishing him as a, a serious threat. Even him versus Roman established him more of a serious threat. And I definitely see this as the same. He's had this ongoing story with the bloodline. So I kind of like this continuous thread. But, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned Riddle, but for me, what really stood out was Solo really embodied Umaga a lot in this. And, you know, I think the spike is something he should adopt. I like the way he threw the hoodie back on and was like, all right, I'm out. I'm done. I did what I need to do when I'm out. 
Solo is a special man. They've really got someone, and they've done a great job of presenting him. And I love the the brand, like he's this generation is doing and I love the way he embraced all that. His presence is off the charts right now. I can't keep Absolutely. my eyes off of him. You know, I laugh at the Usos and Sammy most weeks, but I'm looking at Solo wondering, he's going to kill somebody in this bloodline eventually. And I don't know who, because I keep going back to the fact that Roman Reigns did not pick him. Paul Heyman did not select him. The elders did. And I wonder if this ever going to come into play regarding the fracture of the bloodline someday. But I love the presentation of Solo. His presence is everything. The beatdown on Riddle was great. And I just love him right now, just being in the moment of being a badass that should be taken seriously in every way. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned something about him being sent by the elders. This thing about the bloodline story is there's so many ways that this can go. You know, the elders, whoever they end up being, or if, like you said, if they end up playing into that, Maybe the long-term story is for Solo versus Roman. Maybe they want Solo to be the guy to take out Roman and take over the head and become the new head of the tape. Maybe that's what he's there for to infiltrate. Like, you know, he he's going to be the one to lay out Sammy. Whenever, like, after Jay lays that first kick, Solo's going to lay into that dude and really destroy him. Like, that's who he is. He's that 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 muscle, that heavy. Every time somebody like Drew or Sheamus is coming down to the ring, Solo's the guy that's standing front and center waiting on them. He doesn't run. Like, presentation of Solo has been near perfect. Absolutely. And uh, we cannot wait to see what's going to happen next with the Bloodline. Best storyline in WWE and professional wrestling today. And Solo's been a highlight as of late. We'll get to the Bloodline again shortly. But I also want to talk about the icy stare down between Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley, which I also enjoyed from this past Monday's Raw. Just them staring at each other, the intensity, the icy glare. Like, I'm ready for this match sometime very soon. I love the hype in about two minutes or less as they just stared each other down, bore a hole through each other, which I dug a lot. Yeah, I uh, let me take a page out of your book here, Keela. Cheddar Biscuits all around for me. <laughs> and these two. I mean, let me tell you, Becky Lynch was really doing it for me. Like, I thought she was on fire like i thought she looked great and Rhea is Rhea, so yeah cheddar biscuits all around for those two um yeah the stare down was great great intensity made you look forward to the match and kind of you know looking ahead i like that they didn't immediately give you that match too and i were waiting to build to that um because that's a big time matchup and i hope it's not something that they throw away on raw or anything like that because that's a I mean, honestly, that's a WrestleMania caliber match. You could do it at the Royal Rumble, but that's a singles match that you really build up. It can really have some interest in. So I love the stare down. And again, Becky Lynch brings a level of energy and intensity that not a lot of people can match. But Rhea is one of those people. And she did on Monday because those eyes were doing things like, whoa, you just felt the vibe change in that arena quickly. And everybody felt it. So I loved it. Cheddar biscuits for them. I can understand it. You're selling my gimmick now. Now you want to have people at the table. I understand. Like, I felt the vibe, too. Not going to lie. <laughs> you get it, though. Like, I mean, like, I was looking like, yeah, Becky. I get it. <laughs> hey, Seth, you that, you that dude. <laughs> you that guy. That doesn't sound like that. And I was like, no, you're not. But <laughs> that's a whole other story. <laughs> 
Now, bonus question. Do you see what I see now with those suits for the record? Do, do you notice it now, especially after this week? Yeah, I uh, I do notice it. And I, I, I think he's starting to get to the point where he's like, so Becky, what do you think I could get away with this week? <laughs> and she's like, hmm, let's see. Let's go pick something out. Something lacy. <laughs> this lingerie looks great on you, honey. Go out there. Flaunt. Oh, work. Pose. That's probably what she'd be telling him to work. Work, Rollins. Work. <laughs> Just a visual of that. Them having fashion meetings before Monday Night Raw. I, I love it. And we have to talk about somebody from NXT that we warned several weeks ago not to do something again. And he defied us, Scott. He decided to let me go back to the barbershop and get some more cornrows. Talking about your boy, Von Wagner. Shout out to Big Daddy V. You know, you just can't be right for two weeks in a row, huh? You just, you can't do too many good things in a row. And this dude was like, yeah, you know, I lost my title match. A lot of the, lot of the, the Iron Survivor Challenge Pack, King of the Mountain match. You know what I was going to do? I got to go stand out. Let me go get my braids back. Let me go holler. Let me go holler at Carmelo's barber real quick. <laughs> See if I can get my braids back. <laughs> Whose idea is this? I need, I need Sean Walker, Texas, Michael Ranger. Okay. <laughs> I, I need him to, 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 to either cut Bond's hair or just leave it alone. But whoever's idea to be putting this in these braids and these cornrows, they need to be let go. That. You're demanding their release from WWE. There's a lot of other places to work right now. <laughs> a lot of job opportunities. I don't wish for anyone to be jobless. I know whoever it is, they'll easily find Take them. Oh my God. So we're firing hairstylists now. Poor soul. But yeah, don't you ever do See? this again. But. Like, I'm trying to be graceful here. I'm trying to be kind. Mm -hmm. This is strike two. So if I see the braids on Tuesdays in NXT, I too would demand your release from NXT. And the best part is they don't announce it online. So you can just be fired quietly. And Merry Christmas if you're let go because you braided that man's hair for reasons we don't understand. All right. So now you made me feel better. You can fire them on December 26th. Oh, my God. It's not better. It's a day after Christmas, you soulless person. At least you get Christmas, though. Probably get it after Christmas than before Christmas. So and you're going to fire know. him on their week off? Yes. Cruel. He's got time to look for a new job. And let me tell you something else. If Von Wagner has the nerve to show up for a match with Odyssey Jones with some cornrows, <laughs> and Odyssey don't whoop that man, <laughs> I need some reparations from Shawn Michaels. We, we might get them. We'll see. We'll see Tuesday. We'll come back and maybe talk about it briefly before our rap award special. Because if it happens, we have to acknowledge it right here on the wrap. But one more thing from WWE that we have to get into before we dive into NXT deadline is 
the bloodline once again. And I really enjoyed the Usos versus Butch and Sheamus for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship that kicked off SmackDown in Pittsburgh on Friday night. You know the outcome was inevitable, academic. The Usos were going to win, but the match was so good. And it's very rare that a Pittsburgh crowd for WWE is hyped, and they were hyped for the near falls. Sheamus was hitting white noise off the apron, off the top rope. It was ridiculous. But ultimately, of course, Butch East 1D from the Usos as they retained the title. But the body of the match was so good, and the crowd was hyped, which was an added bonus. Oh, the match was excellent. Um, I think the Usos, and I think I might have said this on Twitter, but I think the Usos saw all the nonsense about people saying they shouldn't be this, they shouldn't be that. And we're like, we're going to go out and show people exactly why we are the ones. And they put on a great match. Sheamus, and it's a testament to Sheamus and, and, and Butch also, because the crowd loves the Usos. They love the bloodline, yet they were still able to get them invested on the right side and behind them and believable. Like that white noise off the second rope was a believable near fall because it didn't come at the beginning. That came like a good way into the match. This, was, this felt like a 25-minute match. And, you know, the pacing was good. They went through multiple commercial breaks, multiple hot tags. Um, I, I loved it. I thought it was a really, really good match. Uh, Sami Zayn working on the outside. Rich Holland's a good heavy. I, 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 like, I know he wasn't even in the match, but he's somebody I was paying attention to. And him just kind of working on the outside, he has a lot of good baby face plot as far as kind of getting the crowd fired up and whatnot. So I love this whole thing. Really good match. Um, I think everybody has come away from this looking better, but it may be time for the brawling boots to kind of move away and start winning some matches again. Agreed. Slide over to maybe the Viking Raiders at some point to give them something to do besides feuding with the bloodline, which would be a step up in terms of getting wins back. But Ridge has improved a lot this year because I've been on his ass for a portion of this year due to the biggie, biggie injury. But I will say that despite him being a hoss at ringside, uh, Solo was the bigger hoss because you and Naki his ass over the barricade. And I was like, damn, sorry, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> that boy dude just be tossing people and I'm like yeah Solo you, you a problem bro so violent and then Butch had a moment too he was big hossing Jimmy Uso with a powerbomb out of nowhere like okay Butch you got strength too I see you besides joint manipulation which I appreciate but let's not bear the lead shall we because Jay Uso alongside Honore Uso Sammy Jimmy and Solo, who's very stoic, we're getting ready to go eat somewhere. And Jay pulls Sammy to the side. And I warned you, Scott, Chicago brings bad things at the end of the year for WWE. It could be a good night for Sammy. But my ears perked up when Jay told Sammy, you know what? You might want to get a fresh cut and trim for next week because this might be your week when you become an oose officially. And I have my guard up because I expect to see Skypunk Sammy next Friday on SmackDown. But at the same time, I expect doom because it's Chicago. And I remember Paul Heyman got his ass beat by Roman Reigns last year. The last live SmackDown of the year. We'll see how Sammy survives the night with the fresh cut to boot. Yeah, my first thought was they're doing it. Like this is the beginning of Sammy's turn. But I always thought the cut would come on in. Like he would just shed the bloodline skin. Um, but 
it does seem like they are setting Sammy up to get the beatdown that we all know is coming. And, you know, I do wonder if maybe Paul Heyman pulls him to the side and is like, hey, you know, just be careful out there. It's the last rub. We know it's the last smack. You know, we're getting to the last smackdown before Christmas. And, you know, history does repeat itself. And just kind of ominous like that. But, yeah. I, I think they I think they swerve us, man. I don't think they beat them down yet. I I feel like we always see it coming, but then again, obvious isn't always wrong. So they've done a good job of building up intrigue and interest in a SmackDown in a segment. So whenever they do play this out, people are gonna know: is it gonna happen? Is it not gonna happen? Um, that's the, the greatness of this story, man. Like. Whenever this trigger is pulled, people are going to be fully behind it. And um, like, like right now, we're talking about whether it's going to happen or not. And I think that's just a great sign of how well the story has done, has been built up so far. Yes, and it's in Chicago, and it's guaranteed to get a lot of heat. The reaction is going to be everything. I cannot wait to see Sky Punk Sammy out there again with the fresh cuff for the first time in years. And I pray he survives the night. I think we'll be swerved. I think he'll be an ooze officially. It'll be a lovely, beautiful Kodak moment. And then we can wait for doom in early 2023 heading into WrestleMania season. Because I don't want this to happen too fast. Give us some leeway between now and the start of the new year. And with that, let's move on to NXT Deadline going down last night on Peacock Live from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And I must admit something to you and to our listeners out there and that I will offer a formal apology for shading the Iron Survivor Challenge before it happened. There were flaws in this match we'll get to eventually, but I think for what they did with the concept, I liked it. It was over with the audience who were very lively most of the show, which is a very good thing. And I thought both matches for the men and women were laid out beautifully and it exceeded expectations. So therefore, Iron Survivor Challenge, you can stay for now. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. I think it's, you know, in, in wrestling right now, matches that are different, that kind of that stand out are a rarity right now. And for them to be able to create a a new concept, and you know, always pulling together old concepts and creating this new concept, uh, and for it to work in two matches, I think is very telling because you're you're just going to get better and figure out different ways to do it. And I thought that the men's match more than the women's match really utilized the rules better. I thought they utilized the penalty box better, but you know, I thought the women's match did a good job of kind of showing how the how the flow of a match can go. I thought it really helped the women out in particular as far as letting them each have time to shine in the ring. So um, I think it works for what it was. And I think this was a good way of kind of letting certain people get some shine in the ring and really kind of run wild for a little bit. There are some definite standouts last night, as I'll get to momentarily. But I have one flaw with the match and that is the penalty box and that when you get pinned um why are we counting down already before they're in the damn box can't they get in the box and then you count down from 90 seconds down 
and then they get back in the match. That was my only flaw. Like, why are we counting down before they're in the penalty box? Otherwise, I thought when we reach the last five minutes, the intensity picks up a lot and you're trying to get pinfalls and it's very crafty when the person's in the lead. They're trying to maintain it by trying to stall and winning around ringside. I love that concept and it just adds drama to the match and the fans, you can feel them getting into it. And when you win them over, you win me over in terms of a concept that works. Yeah. You mentioned having the fans into it in in the last five minutes. I thought the women's match, um, the last five minutes of it, I thought that was really good. I thought the, the kind of the execution and the story that they told in that last five minutes with Roxanne, especially where she had zero the entire time and really had to, take her way up from behind. I thought they told a really good story with that last five minutes, and the crowd was fully invested in it. I mean, they really came along with Roxy Chance. The whole match, up until that point, they were split with Roxy, with whoever she was in the ring. Let's go Roxy, let's go Zoe. Um, let's go, you know, they even took a chance for Clara Jade instead of her. When we got to that last five minutes and Roxy got that second pin, they really got behind her. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point about the concepts working and building to a, you know, a, a, a big epic conclusion. So a job well done. Yes. And speaking of that match, that was the match kicked off last night's deadline involving Roxanne Perez, Zoe Stark, Kiana James, Cora Jade, and Indy Hartwell. And Roxanne Perez and Zoe Stark were the first two people in this match. And Roxanne's uppercuts during this match are pretty damn stiff. Love the intensity from Roxanne as Zoe Stark scored the pin on Roxanne Perez early on with the flipping GTS, which I love as a finisher. A standout in this match, I have to point out, was actually Kiana James, who was really good in this match. I was kind of sad for her because she didn't score a pinfall, but she definitely stood out in a good way. The moonset off the barricade to Zoe Stark, that was clean. No thought behind it, just did it. The Spanish fly off the top as well was great. I really thought she was one of the glue glue pieces that kept this match together for 25 minutes and I thought she was a standout and quite possibly most definitely had her best performance to date and even though she has a lot of titles more initials than Dr. Britt Baker DMD I do think she has what it takes to be a star based on this performance last night yeah Keanu James did a really good job I thought the the spots that she were given the big moments she did a really good job with the Spanish fly off the top was really nice um, for me, the, you know, for me, the person that really stood out was Zoe Stark. I thought she really, and you know what, I got to say Roxanne too, because they both went the distance, but I just felt like Zoe Stark was everywhere in this match. Um, you mentioned when Kiana hits that big moonsault, who's there to catch her? It's Zoe Stark. And we get the Spanish fly with Kiana James, who's there to catch her? Zoe Stark. Uh, I thought Zoe had a great, her and Roxanne, I thought they had a great first five minutes of a match, essentially. Um, and and she, she just felt like the glue of this match that was keeping everything together. And whenever there was um, any, you know, a flow, whenever the flow seemed to be slowing down, Zoe was there to hit a big move and to keep it going. I love the fire that she brings. I think she's really good in the ring. I, you know, her character, I think her character sucks, but she's really good in the ring. And to me, she really stood out. I like that Roxanne went up, went the distance, um, so that was nice as well. But Zoe Stark for me was the one that really stood out. As for me, it's just like man, she's really good in the ring. 
she's great. And I agree with you in that the character she has right now sucks. She's miscast as a heel. She's better off as a baby face because she has great spots in this match cross body onto everybody on the outside as well, at one point as well. Roxanne was definitely playing from behind for a lot of this match, scored her last two pinfalls late with a roll up on Zori Stark. And then she lands a pop rocks on, I do believe, Cora Jade for her second victory. But she was in a penalty box a lot, had to fight for underneath. Cora Jade stills a pin as well at one point. And Indy Harwell was just kind of there for it. Big booted Roxanne for her only victory in this matchup. And it really comes down to Roxanne's second win and Cora J trying to get a win, trying to get a trying to get the second pinfall, I should say, on on Roxanne Perez with the DDT, but Roxanne rolls out of the ring at the last minute to secure the victory with two wins, with Zoe having one, Cora having one, Indy having one, and Kiana James having nothing. And I love the way Roxanne survived. Don't get pinned in the last few seconds, and the fans were getting into it because time was running out. And I love how we just see that clock tick, 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 tick down, and the fans are revved up. But most importantly, above all else, Booker T was so happy he was reduced to tears that extended two segments. He cried through two commercial breaks, and I thought it was so endearing because that is a student. He trained from the roots up when she was 16 years old. Roxanne winning the biggest match of her career in front of her mentor, in front of her coach, was beautiful, and Booker T lost it. He was crying, booing, and I thought it was adorable. To be honest with you, I thoroughly enjoyed Booker T all night. We're going to get to the New Day match where I thought he was incredible with some of the stuff he was saying. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Booker T. And, you know, it was it was kind of cool to see him kind of cheerleading for Roxanne um, the whole time. And yeah, it, it, when you see something like that, it, it, it probably was really special for him to see her out there really shining in the match um, and being the star of that match. So I'm 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 gonna give it I'm gonna give it three and a quarter salty tears. I thought it was good, wasn't great, but it was a, a good first time concept match. I thought the ladies did good. That last five minutes was really good. They set the tone with this concept. You're out first to see how it goes. And I thought everybody passed the test of flying colors. Everybody stood out. Roxanne, especially, I thought this was her best overall performance as a woman that could potentially be the next NXT Women's Champion. She will face Mandy Rose at New Year's Eve for the NXT Women's Championship on Tuesday, January 10th, New Year's Day, 10 days after the new year. Okay, fine. But I am pulling for her. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Walker, Texas, Sean. Okay, so. I'm lost. I'm lost too. The math isn't math thing with the date for the new year. You would think, can we do it like January 3rd, perhaps? But no, let's do it on January 10th, way past the new year. Everybody's back to work. Okay, Walker, Texas, HBK, whatever. But um, really strong start to the show. Love the win for Roxanne Perez. And Booker T's emotion was the cherry on top for me. As we move on to a match that broke me before air because of Scott's description of the ending of this match. It was Alpha Fire versus Isla Dawn. 
And the match before the finish was actually pretty good. I love the work from Alba Fire and Aladon. Aladon has a nice Munior's ground and from the top rope as well. Alba Fire is an ass kicker per the usual, trying to get a win back after losing to Mandy Rose. Thanks to Isla Dunn and their last woman standing match last month. And we have Alba Fire land the Gory Bomb special on the floor. She's in position to win the match in the ring. And Isla Dawn kicks out. And Alba Fire goes for a slam, goes up top for the set on. But in doing so, Isla Dawn grabs the leg of a referee for reasons. And then as Alba Fire lands a set on bomb, a swanton bomb, I should say, for the win, the referee in the corner is coughing up black goo. And at this exact moment, I rolled my eyes and thought to myself, what the hell is this? What have we devolved into? And Booker T was incredible during this moment because he was the only soul that cared about the referee. Vic is like, what did Isla Dawn do? And Booker says, get the man some help. (laughs) He said, if you're, to wear a quote from Booker, he said, if your mother saw you <laughs> like this, I think <laughs> I think she would want me to help you out. I think she would appreciate me rendering medical aid. And I died Vic, laughing. Vic, Vic told that dude. Vic was like, yeah, the referee didn't see it because the other referee was helping the referee that's sick. And Booker was like, yeah, that's right. He's doing what he's supposed to do. That dude is dying out there. And you try to continue the match. What the hell is going on? <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, Booker, you're right. Like, what the hell is going on right now? They're not even trying to help the referee. They're still continuing the match. How do you continue the match? And the referee is bleeding out the mouth. It is not breathing. I- Sean. Sean. <laughs> so how much is he going to get paid? Because if he ain't suing, I don't know what's wrong with him. He should be getting all kinds. That's a lawsuit. Wait, Matt. You going to tell me I'm out there choking on my blood. <laughs> but you send the referees to keep counting the one, two, three, and Vic is over here mad because the one ref didn't see it. All right, dude. And Vic is like, "Are you serious? You're talking about the match? This man is over dying for his life." I just laughed when he brought up his mom. <laughs> Incredible! I told you Booker was great all night. <laughs> So as this medical crisis is going on in the corner, I'm wondering to myself, okay, let's get the referee some help. But where is the secondary referee to make a count? And he just trots his ass out there as slowly as possible. And Alba Fire still loses this match. Thanks to Isla Don tripping up on the ropes and landing her finisher, the slap drop for the win. And this was so trash at the end. It was such trash. This was just the worst of superstars. Night to 92. Papa Shango's crying tears of shame at this finish. And Walker Texas HBK, sir, you got to stop. Stop this, please. This is a bridge too far. Um, To quote my co-host, I don't need Sabrina the Teenage Witch on NXT television. I cannot take it. Um, I don't know which version is worse. Is it the original series, the comic books, or the Chilling Adventures? Uh, I'm embarrassed as a fan, and I love Sabrina, but this ain't it. 
And you know what the worst part is, and you touched on it earlier, the match was actually really good up until that point. I thought, well, I didn't know anything about uh, Ms. Dawn over there. Um, so when she was out there, you know, dropping the double knees and hitting the kicks and she was moving, I was like, oh, she, she's pretty good. Like, this is a good match. Alba Fires got great fire. She's a much better baby face than I ever thought she would be when she was a heel. So I was like, this is a really good match. And then they do that, like, this is like on that Alexa Bliss type stuff they were doing in the, you know, in the empty arena. And it's just all like, that was awful. Like it was, oh, the three tier match. And I'm struggling to give it two just because of the finish. It gets two and a half tiers for me. And for the first Ooh, match, you're generous. It's, I get two and a half tiers. The action was good. The tears thrown off because of the stupid ass finish of this match, which was embarrassing, but hilarious. I laughed heartily at that Booker T was an MVP for his performance of caring for that referee. And therefore I can't punish the match that much, but that finish was absolutely unforgivable. First match as well. Three and a quarter tiers. Very good. This match could have been three tiers or more, but come on voodoo finish via choking on one's black blood choices and not a good one and thankfully we got a palate cleanser via our next match it was the new day versus pretty deadly for the nxt tag team championships a match that came out of nowhere via nxt this past tuesday night when we had a very pretty deadly christmas story which cracked me up it was so naughty and nasty with their double entendres i love kid i love kid wilson and elton prince a new day appearing at the pc popped this crowd to no end and they were very over last night with this crowd. Very good match. I love Pretty Deadly dressing as Santa's Little Helpers. But once again, the MVP of this match was Booker T on commentary being the biggest New Day player hater because deep down in his soul, he knew his record was about to be broken. Booker T might have been the MVP of the entire night. Let me throw that out there. Um, this was a great match. I thoroughly enjoyed this match. And no, this wasn't uh, a, a technical classic. This wasn't your your bloody masterpiece that you may have saw earlier in the afternoon. Uh, you know, this, this wasn't any of that. But this was just a really fun, a really good wrestling match. Um, I, I, Pretty Deadly is one of the best tag teams that nobody's talking about. Because every time they're on the screen... Whether they're wrestling, whether they're doing a backstage skit, whether they're in the ring cutting a promo, they are, I mean, they're so entertaining. They are the type of heel team that will eventually just become over as baby faces because the crowd's just going to enjoy them so much. They're so good. They have innovative tag team offense that you see out there. Um, and then when they need to get a little more physical, a little bit more vicious, they do. Just, I, I really enjoyed this match. And then if you'd have told me that Kofi Kingston and, and Prince, was, is it, I think it's Prince Elton. He's the blonde, right? Prince Elton. Elton uh, Prince, he, yes. Elton Prince, I'm sorry. Elton Prince. If you'd have told me that they would have had a twerk off <laughs> in the middle of this match, <laughs> and not only would it have worked, but the crowd would have been so invested into it, I would have said, you're a liar. But not only would you have been telling the truth, I would have found myself enjoying it too. I mean, like, and that's because of who's doing it. You know, I, it just, it, it worked in the flow of the match. Uh, it, and it works because of the characters. That's their character. They're not going to let you out twerk them. 
you want to twerk? Let me show you how to twerk. And then Booker T. Vic Joseph said, are you going to defend that? Booker Booker's like, look, he's just showing you how it's done the right way. If you're going to do it, it's called twerking. All right, dude. We got it, Booker. We got it, dude. Yeah. Let me tell you something. T was like, and look at them trying to steal the spotlight. Who the hell wants them down here? Got to steal the spot. Pretty deadly's the greatest NXT tag team of all time. And I mean, and after this match, I think we need to start having a conversation about whether Kofi Kingston is the greatest. He's at least one of, but if he's the greatest tag team wrestler of all time. It's definitely up for debate. 15-time champ. That's a record that probably will never be surpassed in WWE. And he's done with numerous tag team partners over the year. Evan Bourne, CM Punk, The New Day. I can go on. This dude's resume speaks for itself when it comes to tag team work, besides being obviously WWE champion three years ago. But let's not bury the lead here of that. Kofi threw it back in that twerking contest, got down and shook that ass like nobody's business to say, listen, I am going to win this twerk off. The fans were chanting for twerk off and he gave them twerking, honey. He was just humping that mat. I loved it. Kofi, Kofi said the fact that you had the nerve to even try to go against me. Let me show you what, let me, let me actually twerk out here and show you what I'm really doing. Kofi was like, baby got back. I'm going to show you exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Okay? Because you're right. Because when he did it the second time, he was like, man, let me let me show you exactly what we're doing. And the crowd was into it. <laughs> Again, the crowd loved it. Uh, it and, but the match was good in itself. And at the end of the day, we come away with brand new NXT Tag Team Champions, um, and one little touch on that finish. Uh, Kofi hits the midnight hour. I think it's called the midnight hour. Um, and tags Xavier back in to get the pinfall, which I thought was very interesting. And I wonder if it's because Xavier started in NXT and, and if that's kind of something there. But I thought that was very interesting with the finish. It was very symbolic of where he was maybe 10 years ago and having that full circle moment at the PC winning the NXT champion, the NXT tag team titles and the new day makes history. They are the triple crown champs of raw SmackDown NXT, only the revival and the street profits now alongside the new day can lay claim to being triple crown tag team champions. The Usos might be looking on respectfully saying "Mm, more tag team belts to merge one day, huh? But I just love this match. And another highlight for me was the quadruple down lie cheating still spot of them trying to frame each other by throwing the championship belts. And then Kobe's the last one saying, oh, hell, let me just pretend I got knocked out too. And the referee says, get your asses up. All of y'all are lying. Nobody got hit. And they're all kind of stirring and trying to find out where are we, what happened? That was awesome as well. This is a great balance of comedy and great wrestling. Booker T being the greatest player hater of the new day. And the celebration in the crowd was fantastic. This crowd last night who I've been on recently for kind of being dry during the NXT live shows. This crowd last night was great, and they were really hyped for this match. And the Eddie Guerrero, tri- the Eddie Guerrero tribute never gets old for me. The quadruple spot was hilarious. When when the finish happened and the New Day won, Booker T said, "Oh hell no!" Nah. Vic was like, "Oh hell yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> Vic was just great all night. Um, yeah, 
And then when they when they started to get back up, they both continued. Both teams continued the lie, and we're still pointing at each other like <laughs> they hit. He hit me. No, he hit me. He hit me. Like it's just a really really fun match. Maybe I'm overrating it, but I I'll take a fun match. You know that I'm invested and care about over like you know a hard hitting match that I just don't care about because. I'm, I'm gonna give this four tiers, man. I really, really enjoyed this title match, and I think the New Day as NXT champions would be a lot of fun. I agree. This was a really strong tag team championship match. I'm gonna give this four tiers as well. The New Day would carry these championships on SmackDown. Hopefully, give some shine to them. I want Pretty Deadly to moonlight on SmackDown as well to get some shine on the main roster. I think their call up is imminent. I truly believe that. And for the New Day and Pretty Deadly to have this much chemistry and to play off each other so well comedically. I want this feud to continue on the main roster if the New Day can make it to, ju- to ne- not Judgment Day, to make it to Vengeance Day as the next tag team champions and defend and possibly drop those titles to another tag team would be everything. But this match was so much fun. First time ever, a fresh matchup. And now we get to see them more on NXT, which is always a good thing. And here's hoping Booker T is a bit more happy for them on Tuesday. Because let's not forget years ago, you, Booker T, coronated the New Day for being at the time five-time tag team champions. Actually, I'm I'm actually here for Booker T being their number one player hater for the rest of their time on NXT. I think that'd be great to hear on commentary. But you, you bring up a good point about the New Day winning and possibly taking it to Vengeance Day because they are going back on the road. So New Day as champions would be a nice selling point as far as selling tickets and whatnot. So that would make sense for them to at least make it to Vengeance Day so you could have New Day on that card. Absolutely. I hope they hold on to those titles that long and it gives synergy to the main roster and NXT always gives a jolt on Tuesday nights via the New Day winning the NXT tag team titles to complete the triple crown in their run in WWE. As we segue to what Scott thought was the main event of NXT deadline as I waited patiently like, okay, this is a five hour pay-per-view. Where is Scott? Where is my tag team partner? He mistakenly thought. And rightfully so, let's be honest with ourselves. This was a pretty damn great match. The second Iron Survivor Challenge involving the guys, J.D. McDonough, Axiom, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, and Joe Gacy. This match was fantastic. This was why I am a winner of this concept because of how this match was laid out as J.D. McDonough and Axiom set the tone beautifully for the first five minutes. And from there, this was just innovation this was creativity. This was drama. And I lived. I, I thought the match was excellent. Um, I, I thought the, let me tell you, Axiom, first off, let me start with this. I know we make jokes about him. I know he is the literal floating head that just floats to the <laughs> ring with a body walking under it. But J.D. McDonough, McDonough is that guy in the ring. He is so, he is so good in the ring. Like, I, I'm going to be honest with you. He's becoming one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. Like, I watch NXT to see him wrestle, to see him uh, take somebody on, take a different opponent on every week. I thoroughly enjoy it. And him and Axiom were slapping the hell out of each other. I mean, they were beating the hell out of each other. That first five minutes was great. Carmelo Hayes comes in. And I thought they had a great little three-way exchange. I thought each time 
one of the male competitors came in, they just brought a different level into it. Uh, the three-way, Grayson Waller comes in and hits a double stunner and gets two quick pinfalls, which I thought was a nice way to utilize the rules. Fresh man comes in, takes out two guys, gets two pinfalls back-to-back. I like that. Now, here's one thing, I, and I didn't bring this up about the women's match, and it, it really stood out to me during this match when people were just outside the ring. So you can get DQ'd and put in the penalty box, but there are no countouts. Because let me tell you, some of them people were outside the ring for at least 20 <laughs> to 30 seconds at a time between fighting in the penalty box and doing the dives and stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, so what if the ref counts them all out? All five are going to go into the penalty box for 90 seconds and we just going to have a melee in there? Like, what, what is going on? So a couple of things you probably they probably do need to iron out or maybe have a referee on the outside counter or something. But I was just thinking about that because they spent a lot of time on the outside. But, again, the match was really good, and I thought everybody got to look good. Joe Gacy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joe Gacy? Okay. That boy showed up and showed out. I was almost thinking, let that dude win, because I was so impressed with Joe Gacy tonight, or last night. Joe Gacy was the last guy in. He turned the match out. Showed out. I apologize to Joe Gacy officially today. I will no longer call you Kevin Owens Light because you are Joe Gacy, sir. Who knew that you wearing trunks would give you the means to be a professional wrestler? Because he went in there and he was on fire and I was impressed by him. That was the first time I saw, okay, you can be a player on NXT. First time ever. Drop that philosophical shit you as a wrestler you're pretty damn good and i gotta say that ava rain probably glowed him up by being part of schism and you could see the level up with everybody and he was great in this match i thought that the penalty box hockey fight between axiom and jd mcdonough was fucking hilarious now you talk about the floating head the highlight was the floating head sliding down the glass (laughs) 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 <laughs> that dude's head hit the glass and it took up the whole screen <laughs> and it slid down so slowly and Axiom who I love was a player hater himself like you know what fuck this I'm going to get extended time by beating this guy's ass in this box because he tried to end my career by bidding my knee back Axiom is the best I know that's a kid and I hate that he's covered up because he's very handsome but this dude is emoting in this goddamn mask and I was living for it last night Hey, listen, they have, you know, they tried so long for Sin Cara to be the next masked guy. I think they just threw a mask on him and hope for the best. He's making the most out of this gimmick, and I think there is serious legs to it. Because he's really good in the ring, too, and he'll be able to get over with his style. And you're right about him being able to get over um, his emotions without saying it, without, you know, any type of facial expression, because when he closed the, the door back, when they opened it back up, and you could tell exactly what was going down. And he laid into him. And those, those, those slaps and punches were just as hard as what they were throwing in the ring. And again, it played into a later story where JD uh, threw him back in, or, and Grayson Waller took him out of the, here you go, here's your, you can have him, it's your turn. So, the penalty box came into play. Like all of the all of the rules that 
Shawn Michaels laid out that even myself was kind of like, this is ridiculous. They all came into play. And as far as the Joe Gacy thing, man, one more thing. John LaRocca on his Take It Home podcast was uh, previewing. Make sure you guys check that out on the Fight Game Media Network as well. Uh, he was previewing this, and he said that Joe Gacy is a guy that a lot of people don't really you know, talk about as far as being good in the ring and that he expected him to show out. And he was right because I'm still blown away by how good he was. If he'd have wrestled like this, even with that ridiculous gimmick, I would have bought it more because of his style. Like this style is so like aggressive and fits him so well with his kind of husky build. So I'm just, I was just floored by him. Really impressed. I was stunned in the best possible way. And he's going to fuck around and be a baby face if he keeps his up because they're going to respect how hard he works. And he was great last night. Now, J.D. McDonough had a dumb moment because he was trying to prevent Axiom from getting through the door of the penalty box. But, homie, there is no roof on top of the box. So Axiom just climbed out, kicked you in the head, your floating little head, and he delivered a beautiful moonsault onto everybody on the outside. So maybe Sean should invest in a roof for the penalty box next year. But that was a flaw in JD's plan to trap Axiom. And I love the penalty box cam as we saw the fight between Axiom and JD. I just love their chemistry. It's great. And they really don't like each other in a feud setting, which I greatly appreciate. But the closing stretch of this match was pure genius because Grayson Waller, you little thief, you little pest, you're getting back that heat you got last year when you beat down Johnny Gagano and said, I'm packing off NXT. And I loved it. Yeah. And that, so another one of the, I don't know if it's a flaw, but another just kind of one of the drawbacks of this match is, you know, even with the women's match, Roxanne got pinned about three or four times. Maybe it was three times. I know at least three times during that match and Axiom who I thought got the show out a little bit. I feel like he got pinned at least four or five times. JD got pinned four or five times. And I'm wondering like, so you could lose five times, but still end up winning the match. If you have four pins, like to me, I don't know how I feel about that. Seeing a guy get pinned three times in the same match and still be able to win. Cause I think Grayson got pinned at least three or four times, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I just think that's something that probably needs to kind of, I, I don't know, that's just a personal thing where I just don't like seeing the guy who's going to win the match get pinned three times during the match. Um, but yeah, Grayson ends up uh, getting the third pinfall, and then he plays, he, he plays runaway, and he's pulling guys out the ring as Carmelo Hayes is trying to get that last pinfall, um, which was really smart and plays into Grayson Waller's whole character. He doesn't want to fight nobody straight up, but he'll play that getaway game. And uh, I think he'll be a great foil for Braun Breaker just because um, he's, he's the guy that people can really hate. And that's what the champion needs right now is someone that they can fully invest against. And Grayson Waller is going to be that guy. He's a great asshole, and he was very sneaky getting the win, stealing it from Axiom, and I will give Vic Joseph credit for this. He says, okay, Axiom gets pinned. He can't win this match. He's not going to have enough time to get back in there to score a pinfall. I love that. The time is of the essence. You're up against the clock. You don't want to be in that damn box with less than a minute to go, and you can't get back in there to score a pinfall. And Carmelo had the match won, and then Grayson steals the pin at the last minute. That bastard. But... It should be noted that Grayson Waller got in Booker T's face 
and told him, who's in your fave five now, bitch? And Booker T almost wanted to whoop that man's ass on sight. So Booker had a night in every way. And he was very solemn and saying, tell me, tell me, he did not just say that. Real talk, Booker might have jacked him up backstage after that. I'm just, I'm just saying there's a good chance Booker might have jacked him up. Like, Yo, don't you ever do that again. Okay? <laughs> because he did. Normally, he would have got a bit. I feel like he would have been a bit more into it. Like, did he just say? But it was kind of like, hey, let, me, let me compose myself. Let me not come up out my skin right here while I'm on live national TV. Because I, I, for some reason, I thought Booker T was about to come in the ring and lay him out with a book in the way he was, the way Grayson Waller aggressively spoke to him like that. But uh, I guess Grayson Waller just being character going hard like that. But let me tell you something you better be careful. Booker T's the dude that beat up Sun Tattoo uh, or Belly Button Tattoo <laughs> Batista. So if he'll beat him up, he'll definitely throw the hands with you, Grayson. Booker T, one of the more prolific shoot fighters in WWE history. Hey, listen, that fight soured Batista and Vince's eyes because he lost that battle to a few people. But I'm going to leave that alone because, damn, that was something. Booker T whooped that ass, was not afraid of Sun Tattoo Dave Batista at the time. As we segue now to our main event that Scott almost forgot about. It was Bond Breaker. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I had a vision that it was still on. Oh, my so. God. He had a vision. And speaking of that shit, I'm going to get to it very, very soon. But when you think about it, the the Iron Survivor Challenge should have been the main event. And I love Braun Breaker and Apollo Crews, respectively. This match was good. I expected a bit more. I'm very proud of the crowd. They cared because I was worried about the heat reaction for this match. And it was built on them fishing on a boat. And they were bonding and they were throwing shade very nice and politely. Then the week before, they were at the diner and all I could look at were the beautiful fluffy eggs on Apollo's plate. Like, wow, that's looking very delicious. And they had a very civil conversation over coffee and breakfast. And then they had the fishing trip last week. Then we had this match last night. It was very competitive. They were filling each other out for the first five minutes or so, which I enjoyed. And then it turned with the intensity of this match. And... You know, Walker, Texas, HBK, has done very good work on NXT this year. One flaw is you do too much with the directing. So let me get this straight. You zoomed in tight on Apollo Crews' face. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is about to happen here? And then he closes his eyes. And then he waits and waits and waits. And he opens them really aggressively. And then Vic says, book, he's changed. It's a different, it's a different Apollo Crews. He's seen the vision. And I'm like, I honestly thought his eyes were going to turn red, but that's just me. That was dumb. And it took me out of the moment because I was wondering, what the fuck is this? Is Sabrina back now to cast spells on Apollo Crews? I don't know. I was lost. Don't, don't forget that when he opened his eyes, the camera like zoomed out like something was like he was about to go Super Saiyan also. So don't forget about that part. Like you're going to see this yellow glow around him. I was like, I mean, like, why? Why does that even need to happen? And like, he didn't even do anything crazy after that. He didn't like start tossing him around. I think he threw a couple punches 
and ended up getting speared. But it was just like, and Big Joseph, let me talk about Big Joseph for a minute. First of all, besides the fact that you would rather call a match than try to save a man's life, we got you out here trying to defend and say that Apollo Crews is having, how do you know he's having a vision? What vision did you see that I didn't see? Because I didn't see nothing. I just saw him open his eyes like he just finished dropping a poop that just came out. And he was like, that was a relief open. That was a relief eye opening. And we got Vic Joseph out here talking about some, oh, that, he had the vision book. And Booker's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> they had a good match. And then they just go like, do stuff like that. They just be doing stuff sometimes. Like, I don't know, man. The match was good, though, right? <laughs> Look how you said it was, it was good, right? From what I remember, from what I can recall, this match was good. Yeah, the body of the match was good. Um, <laughs> well, I'm just trying to think. I'm thinking um, on post-vision. That, that might have been where I, where I, I lost the match because pre-vision, I was like, yeah, this is a really good match. And then post-vision, I don't know what happened. You forgot everything. Like you almost forgot the main event was happening. <laughs> I mean, who can blame you? But um, to answer your question about Vic Joseph, let's not forget he saw inside Apollo's eye. Remember? That's true. He was in That's the true. eyeball. He saw the vision of Gallus beating down the Creed brothers. So he could see in his eyeball. And then Book. I wish Booker was there at the time to say, what the hell are you talking oh. about? Because I said it was Wade Bear, and he kind of like, oh, yeah, totally saw it. Sure did. No, Booker would have said, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I love Booker T. I can't see shit. What can you see? Booker T was a gym all night. But back to the match, the body of the match, like you talked about, it was good. I did enjoy them trading moves. You know, it was, it was cool seeing... Uh, Apollo, man, he's really impressive physically. Watching him press Braun Breaker um, and then drop him into the slam was really impressive. The three power bombs, he didn't quite get him up in those second two, but he got him up enough. That was impressive. Seeing Braun do the moonsaults, I like them trading their moves back and forth. That was fun. Um, Braun hits the big spear. I need to see Braun in a little bit longer matches. Like all his matches are 10 minutes and I get it. You don't want to expose that man, but I need to see this man in a 15, 18 minute match. Let me see what he can do in a longer match. And I wonder if there's a reason they're not putting him in longer matches. Like I haven't seen him in a long match probably since Dolph Ziggler, you know, and I, I wonder if there's a reason for that. It's possible. And I thought the same thing. This match really could have went five more minutes. I thought it peaked a little bit too early. I wanted more. I love the matchup. Apollo did have his vision of destruction and he suplexed and he power bombed Braun, hit him with his own finisher at one point for a very close near fall. Then a spear ends the match. And I was like, well, that's it. It was very abrupt. And I do agree with you. I want more from Braun in 15, 20 minute matches. I, I really want to see what he can do. We know he's very good, but I want him to reach that great level before moving up to the main roster when you are going to be required to do a lot more on the road and on television. So we got to push him towards his in tenure on NXT. Give me 20 good minutes against 
Apollo Crews. Give me that against Ilya Dragunov or Tyler Bate or J.D. McDonough now, who's way better than he was months ago with his initial feud with Bond Breaker and eventually against Carmelo Hayes for the title if they decide to wait that long. I don't know if we're going to get that with Grayson Waller at New Year's Evil 10 days after the new year. We'll see about that. But the match was good. It didn't reach great for me because both guys have hops for days. And ironically enough, we didn't see that. I said a flip dive from Braun, which was great. But both guys are very agile for their size. And I thought that was something they could have played up more to add a bit more life to the body of this matchup. Because they're power wrestlers, but they can fly too. Yeah, I actually, I was, they, to me, this felt like the most Vince McMahon match I've seen on NXT in a long time. I mean, they did a test of strength for like what felt like five minutes. And it was, this felt like a legit big man match. But, you know, neither of these guys are, you know, quote unquote big men. You know, like Von Wagner to me is a, is a big man. You know, Braun is a, is a bigger guy. But Apollo is not a big man to me, you know, and that's how they played this matchup. And I agree with you. Like, there's a lot of, a lot more athletic things that they could have been doing. Like, Apollo could have been springboarding off the ropes and just throwing different things. I'm like, that's where I feel like Braun has had his best matches is where guys are just throwing the kitchen sink at him and he's taking it and countering it. Um, this to me just felt like Apollo has his vision or whatever the hell he does, <laughs> he gets fired up and on his move and it's over. And I get that they're, you know, showing the spear has this one hit quitter type finale, you know, uh, feel to it, but that's not what Braun gets his best matches. Like with Tyler Bate, even with a JD McDonough, where Braun is getting the best matches and the best reactions is when guys are just, hitting move after move and they're springboard and then they're suplex and they're just throwing everything and Braun's just taking it and taking it. And then he's able to hit that big move. I didn't get that build up here. I didn't get that. Like you said, five more minutes. I, I think they could have used that. Let Apollo hit the angle slam. Let him hit it from the top rope. Like there are so many more things that could have been done to just add to this match um, to, to give it a little bit more life. And maybe that's just me, um, but I just – because you got to think, when he goes to Raw, and I'm assuming he's probably going to Raw, you know, you're not going to be the champ. You're not going to be this guy who doesn't have to wrestle every week. You're going to need – you're going to have to wrestle every week, and you're going to have to be put on 10, 15-minute like So the length of matches you see on Raw now, and so you've got to be able to do that consistently. And I just – I don't feel like we get that with Braun Breaker a lot. No, and I will say his best work is British Strong Style against McDonough, Bate, and Ilya Dragunov. There's something about those matches that bring out the best in Braun Breaker, and you can tell how much he loves working with those guys. He lights up seeing Tyler Bate and Ilya and JD because there's a different energy with working with them, and he gets to really showcase what makes him great. In this matchup, you have a guy in Apollo Crews and Braun Breaker that can both fly for days, and a guy hops, and we don't see that. And I thought about this just now. I go to Dynamite a few weeks ago. It was Brian Cage and Warlow. We got more athletic shit out of them doing lucha moves than what we got in this match against two guys that can kind of do the same thing. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's funny, right? You got the two big guys doing the lucha moves and you got the, the smaller guys trying to do the big man moves. And I, I just, 
I just wonder about the match layout and why they thought that was a good idea. Like, I, I wonder if they think they're protecting Braun when you just have to let him go out there. And if he falls on his face, he falls on his face. But you have to let him go out there and do his thing. I just don't think this match layout did anybody any favor. The first seven, the match was probably 10 to 12 minutes long tops. And the first five minutes was just them. It was, it was a basic Hulk Hogan match. Like, that was the first five minutes was every Hulk Hogan match. You do the test of strength, nothing happens. You run and hit the ropes, nothing happens. Like, that's what this was. And I, I just felt like that was a complete waste of time when they should have just been suplexing and tossing each other around. That's what I wanted to see. That should have been the story. And that's what they started to tell in the last half, and that's why it got really good. But that first half, they should have just been tossing each other around and they both just get up and eat it like, nah, I need more than that. That should have been the whole story instead of the, the silly Hulk Hogan test of strength stuff. I hated that. Yeah, the mirror wrestling. I can do a moonsault, so can I. I can do an arm drag and I can flip out of that too. It was just a lot of stuff that I didn't like in the beginning. The second half was much better. And therefore, I must give this match three tiers out of five. It was kind of disappointing. I wanted more because I thought I was going to get more from these two, a match I was looking forward to for six months. And now I feel like, well, I wasted my time hyping that and I'm ready to move on. And the show ends with the trademark, but I had a feeling this was going to happen. And the something was Grayson Waller laying out Braun Breaker with that stunner. And he grabs the belt saying, I got next. And he is the biggest menace heading into Tuesday's NXT, which I appreciate in the show on a hill note. But yeah, the main event was good. And I don't blame you for thinking that the Iron Survivor Challenge was the actual main event, because in a lot of ways it was. Yeah, it probably should have closed the show. I'm going to give it uh, and that first five minutes was just not very compelling but i thought the last five or six was really good i thought they really hit a stride um once apollo got that poop out i thought the match really picked up a level <laughs> like he really had his speed bag it looked like he he felt a lot lighter um i'm gonna give it three and agree with you i think i'll give it i'm gonna give it three and a quarter Actually, i'm gonna give it three and a quarter i'll go a little bit higher i liked it a little bit more um so i'll go three and a quarter but it should, this should have been another four-star match, four-tier match, easily. Agreed. And uh, lesson learned. We should not over-exceed expectations for things that did not deliver in the end. But all in all, I thought this show definitely exceeded expectations. This might have been the strongest show, top to bottom, since New Year's Evil on TV Earlier this year, at the top of the year for WWE, I thought this was a well-put-together show. Sean's best work to date was a perfect no, but I thought this was an easy, breezy, two-and-a-half-hour show. The Iron Survivor Challenge concept works. We got to work on the penalty box time, get them in there, then start the clock from there from 90 seconds down. But all in all, really fun night of wrestling, so-so main event. But the challenge concept is a keeper, work out the kinks next year. So overall, I would give... NXT deadline, seven out of ten tiers. Yeah, I think uh, I think seven out of ten is fair. I'm with seven. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I took off two and a half tiers strictly for the ridiculous uh, ladies finish. I just so stupid after they were having a good match. Um, but yeah, seven tiers for me too. Good, a really good show. I, I really enjoyed it. 
and I only had to pay five dollars for it. <laughs> Money well spent. I don't blame you. I don't blame you in the least. And with that, this wraps up this week's episode of The Wrap right here on the Feige Media Network, recapping NXT deadline and some odds and ends from WWE television this week. I want to thank my co-captain for always joining me, being back and taking my shots at the Lakers and the Miz being broke because that's what we do here. We needle each other. Yeah, um, a couple things. First of all, <laughs> you're going to be taking parting shots at my boy, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The Miz, the Miz has got bags on bags on bags, okay? And if he don't, you know Maurice got bags on bags on bags. And if she doesn't, we both know that Marjo got bags on bags <laughs> on bags. Somebody <laughs> in that family got the bag. You know what I mean? Uh, but no, Keela, it's, it's always a pleasure to chop it up. I missed you last week as well, so it was great, great to be be back in the booth, back in the saddle, and hopefully next week uh, I will have we could Ray Mysterio out of here, and my <laughs> Wi-Fi will be back, and I'll I'll sound like my my nice, and I'll, I'll be Perky Scott Young next week on the free feed if I have some Wi-Fi. Pristine sound, great Wi-Fi, no more drag. Will a miracle take place on the wrap next week? <laughs> we don't know, but it is a special show because it's that time of year. It is time for the second annual, second annual, it's very late, I can't talk right now, but it's the second annual Rap Awards going down next week with myself, Salty Scott, and an extra special guest that helped us inaugurate the first ever Rap Awards last year. Stephen Conway will be back here counting down the best and worst of WWE for the year 2022. We got some new categories to introduce, but it's always going to be a fun show, a long one. It's going to be a blast as we kind of go through the year that was in WWE. Yeah, the year review is going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, we've already kind of talked about the bond and how we're going to be reworking that. But let that boy show up with some cornrows next week. I might have a whole <laughs> other reason to give him a reworked category. So, uh, but no, I, I'm actually really excited. I'm excited to have an OG back on uh, to help us out. And another reason why I definitely need to get my Wi-Fi because I cannot be sounding like this while I'm handing out awards. So unprofessional. If you show up like this again next week, I would just hang up on you and say, you know what, Stephen and I, we got this on lock. Scott's going to send his, his ballot via mail and I read his results on the air. As long as you, as long as you, as long as you will read my shade word for word, I'll send it to you uh, over the message. I want you to read my shade word for word. See, I'm worried because you're going to make me say things I don't want to say on the air. I don't trust you. <laughs> I love the Lakers. I hate the Warriors. I hate Steph Curry. First of all, that's not going to happen. I will hang up on you. I will end the call, delete the messages, and then block you. And then you'll never know. That's how far I'll go. If you make me say the Lakers are wonderful and the Warriors suck, I will end our friendship. Our partnership will be terminated. I'll tell Gigi, find me a new partner for 2023. Scott's <laughs> fired. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's real out here in these streets. <laughs> you were gone for a week. I'm extra aggressive, so I'm making up for lost time. See, I see. I, I miss a week and all this pent up anger and aggression just waiting for me when I come back. That's what happens when you're gone for a week. <laughs> I have all the smoke for you. I'm sorry. 
not sorry. But with that, I'm going to put the smoke back in reserve. It's going to be a happy time next week, a beautiful celebration, the best and worst of WWE via the rap awards right here on the fight game media network. Until then, Enjoy your week. Enjoy watching WWE TV, especially SmackDown in Chicago. Sammy becoming an ooze or being beat down by the bloodline. We'll see how it all shakes out. We will discuss it briefly before the rap awards. But until then, for myself and for perky and irritable Scott Young, that's a wrap for all things WWE and NXT Deadline. Take care. <laughs>